0: Welcome to New Life's weekly podcast. New Life is a United Methodist congregation established in 2011 in McChesney Park, Illinois. Worship is weekly at 5.30 p.m. Saturday nights with events ongoing through the week. Check us out online at www.findnewlifeumc.org and sign up for our weekly e-newsletter live every Thursday. I'm your host, Mark Myers, Pastor of New Life, as well as our sister congregation, Sherland United Methodist Church, and our cooperative on-site mission, The Paper Angel Closet. This podcast is for the sermon preached on August 6th and 7th. 2016 series titled if based on the book by mark batterson our title of the sermon is if only and our scripture reading today comes from romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 hear these words from the epistle the letter to the church in rome by the apostle paul so now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in christ jesus the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God has done what is impossible for the law since it was weak because of selfishness. God condemned sin in the body by sending his own son to deal with sin in the same body as humans who are controlled by sin. He did so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now, the way we live is based on the spirit, not based unselfishness may God bless the reading of scripture today let us pray dear Lord I thank you for all those listening to your word and good news through our podcast this week please bless them encourage them and help them experience your presence and call on their lives send your spirit upon them and help them hear your voice as they go about your week amen when I was in college, I had a plan, a path, an understanding of where I was going. I started my college career with the hope of being a double major in computer science and psychology. I quickly found out that computer science was not really what I was desiring and not what it was cracked up to be in my life. But I considered psychology really my calling. It was my junior year, then I sat down with my guidance counselor, my student advisor, and we talked about going forward what my careers were. The world of psychology and counseling was what was most appealing to me. But as we talked about it, it got less and less appealing. As we talked about it, it didn't seem that appealing at all. And my guidance counselor at the time said, what if you used some of these religion courses you've been taking? And she looked and we talked and it actually turned out that I had taken all of these different religion courses and I was very close to achieving a religion major. Well, I declared a religion major in addition to my psychology major my junior year. And that conversation, along with many others, led me to answer, what if when God called and said, follow me? I'd like you to be an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church. So many what-ifs live in our lives. What if I could do this? What if I had this? What if God was for me, not against me? Well, over the next four weeks, we're going to be digging into Romans chapter 8, the great 8. This wonderful, wonderful work of the Apostle Paul in his just definitive work to the church in Rome, his beautiful letter to the church of Rome. But taking that letter and just taking that chapter, chapter 8, gives us so much. We're going to be using some insights and examples from the book Mark Batterson, pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., wrote in his book, If. I want to start with a quote from Mark about this series and about Romans chapter 8. Hear these words from Pastor Batterson. The great eight starts with a big bang. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus it has a fairy tale finish for i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither present nor future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord right in the middle it crosses the brooklyn bridge of the bible all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Then there's a subplot. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'll touch on all those truths, but the touch tone is this little two-letter word in the middle of the chapter. It's the linchpin, the kingpin, it's the hinge on which the greatest chapter turns if God is for us. Who can be against us? That's the game changer, the life changer. But you have to settle the issue. If you have a subconscious doubt about God's good intentions, they'll manifest in thousand forms of fear. If you believe with every fiber of being that God is for you, an alternate, a reality, awaits. Wow, powerful words from Pastor Batterson in his book, If. Now I want to go transition to the first hurdle in what if if we truly believe God is for us if we truly believe the promises of scripture are ours to be had there is a little problem something that trips us up something that keeps us from fully living into our potential and that is if only there are if only regrets in each of our lives there was a study done many years ago of many people over the age of 90, and they asked, What are your biggest regrets? What are your biggest regrets? And generally speaking, the regrets were not things that they done were they things they had done, but things they had not done, things they had not accomplished, risks they had not taken. And so if we're truly going to live into our what-if possibilities, how are we? going to overcome our, if only, regrets. There's a great story about Albert Nobel, a person you're probably familiar with in some ways, as the founder of the Nobel Peace Prize, an award that is continuously given to build up those who are pioneering our world, pioneering for peace and for hope, And it funds many, many wonderful scientists and authors and great people who have dedicated themselves to peace and the betterment of society. But one day, Albert woke up and read his obituary. Now, what had happened was his brother had died, but a local newspaper thought that Albert had died, and so they printed his obituary. And in the obituary... It read something like this, Albert Nobel, a man who made it possible for more people to be killed than any other man, a merchant of death. Albert Nobel had patents for hundreds of inventions. He was a prolific inventor over his life, but one thing set him apart, and that was this invention for something powerful, something we call dynamite, and it had the ability to create well it had the ability to move mountains right it had the ability to dig tunnels to save countless lives and do wonderful things but it also had the ability to destroy and to kill and so Nobel decided to take the rest of his life his fortune his earnings and invest it in peace he had the opportunity to not only see his what if but to live his what if but only because he understood his if only he had the ability to look back before he died. We don't all have that. Let's turn to back to Romans eight chapter one or chapter eight, verses one through four. This very first passage, this very beginning, the very start of the great eight, so now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's just stop there for a second. There is no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Do you understand what that means? You are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Christ says not only are they forgiven, but the Father forgets forgiven and forgotten. If you're worried about standing in front of God when you die and worried about, All of your sins and all of your fears and all the things you've done wrong being used against you. Hear these words from Paul. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus lived, died, and rose again. His death on the cross negated our sin. He paid our debt. He paid the price. And our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgotten. We often spend a lot of time on the mistakes we've made. But we believe truly that if we are in Christ, our mistakes aren't held against us. Not only that, but we believe that Christ can actually leverage the mistakes we have made. The things we have done wrong, Christ can use for glory. I've seen people, just criminals, just... Terrible people have their lives turned around and used what they knew about addiction, what they knew about anger, what they knew about crime, to do wonderful things for the glory of God. God can do anything. And God decides that we are forgiven if we live in Christ. But that's only half of the story. Did you hear this? At the end of verse 3, God condemns sin in the body by sending his son to deal with sin in the same body who are controlled by sin. Then in verse 4, he did this so that the righteous requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us. Now the way we live is based on the spirit, not based on selfishness. If you spend all of your time thinking about what you've done or even thinking about your forgiveness... We'll talk about that in a second. You're missing half the point. You're missing a lot of the story. In fact, Christ says not only are you forgiven, not only is your debt paid because of Christ's death on the cross, not only are your sins forgiven and forgotten, but you are credited to your account the righteousness that is in Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? Think of... All of the debt you have, all the debt you've ever had, and not only is that negated, but the wealth of the kingdom of God is placed in your bank account. Do you hear that? Your sins are forgiven, but your righteousness is credited, and it's credited in the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. Just stop and think about that for a second. We spend so much time thinking, yes, my sins are forgiven, my sins, I've been cleansed, I've been made whole, but you are also made new, and you are made new in Jesus Christ, and all of his righteousness is credited to your account. So many Christians, John Wesley called them almost Christians, they spend a lot of time on that forgiven. Well, I've been forgiven, I'm better I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm not doing those wrong things, I'm I'm keeping the commandments. And they spend a lot of time putting other people down. We see it not only in our world, we see it in our churches, unfortunately, we see it in our political realm, people who claim to be Christian, but spend so much of their time putting other people down. They spend so much of their time saying, yes, I've been forgiven, but you're still scum. I'm, my sins have forgotten, but your sins aren't. Forgotten. I'm going to heaven, but you're going to hell. But hear what Paul says Your debts are forgiven, and you're credited righteousness. Righteousness is about More than not doing bad things, righteousness is about literally doing the right thing. And if you are doing the right thing, you are doing the things that Christ did. If your righteousness is Christ's righteousness, you are doing the right things that Christ did. Healing the sick, feeding the hungry, spending time with sinners. You are loving your neighbor. You are acting as a friend who would lay his life down for another friend. That is the kind of ministry Christ Did And when we are righteous in Christ, that means we are making the right decisions. And we are not acting better than people. We are acting for people and with people and through people. We are loving our neighbor, ourselves, our God in all we do. What if God can turn your if only into what if? I was a little defeated after that conversation with my guidance counselor. After thinking that I wanted to be a a counselor, a career psychological counselor or a psychiatric counselor. And realizing that maybe that wasn't my future. But God took that, if only... Well, maybe if only I'd studied harder. Maybe if only I had pursued this, that, or the other thing. Maybe if I was only a little bit more qualified. And God said, no. What if you followed me? What if you went where I was leading you? And that's when I went into ministry. That's when I heard God had been calling me my entire life. And I finally accepted that call. God can turn your if only into what if. God can take your If only and turn it into what if possibility, but you're going to have to spend some time thinking, praying, you're going to have to do what Christ did. Remember, your debt has been forgiven. Your account has been credited. So you need to act like Christ acted righteous. What did Christ do when he was looking for the will of the father? He prayed. He spent time alone. Yes, Christ, whose entire ministry was built around three years, whose entire ministry had to happen very quickly, who spent a lot of his time traveling, who spent a lot of his time going from place to place, who couldn't do a lot of stuff at night because they didn't have electricity, right? He spent time alone and in prayer. He also spent time fasting. Fasting is this wonderful thing that we can do that we forget. Maybe it's giving up food, maybe it's giving up electronics, maybe it's just going away for a while, fasting from the world, fasting from our demands, setting ourselves time. The Jewish people called it Shabbat, Sabbath, stopping, not working so you can see God move. Christ prayed, he celebrated the Sabbath, he fasted, he encouraged his disciples to do that, and he also taught us to confess our sins. If you truly want to be forgiven, what do you have to do? You have to confess your sins. Now, you spend a lot of time maybe thinking, well, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I haven't done the other thing, I haven't killed anybody, I haven't committed adultery, I've loved my neighbors, kind of, I haven't made any idols out of my hands, but what idols have you made in your heart? You haven't murdered a neighbor, but how have you been angry with the neighbor? Maybe you haven't committed adultery, but what kind of lust lives in your heart or on your computer? You have to spend time confessing your sin. And you have to be specific about it. And when you are, it's nailed to the cross and it's forgiven, and it's forgotten, and your account is credited the righteousness of God. We talk about confession. We need to confess. You don't need to come to me or a priest or anyone else. Your high priest is Jesus Christ. You come to him on your hands and knees and say, Lord, forgive me. This is what I've done. I hurt my friend. I hurt my spouse. I said something I shouldn't. I saw an opportunity, and I was afraid, so I didn't take it. I was hurtful and hateful. Maybe I committed a crime. Maybe I did something terrible, something too terrible to even utter. And that is when you call on God and say, Lord, forgive me. And the the response is amazing. It's not only you're forgiven, it's you are my beloved child. You are my son. You are my daughter. Come back to my house and let me transform you. And that's the second step. You have to be transformed, you have to be changed. Inside and out. But it happens with confession. If you want your if-onlys to turn to what-ifs, you need to confess. And you need to listen. The first step to what-if is to overcome if-only. Hear this, there is no condemnation. Is there any better news than that? We are credited with the righteousness of the Son of God, and we are called to be more. We are called into new life. We are called to be new creations. We are called to be sons and daughters, princes and princesses of the kingdom of heaven. Now, what if we were? Amen. This has been a recording of New Life Ministry. Learn more about us at www.findnewlifeumc.org and connect with us through our newsletter, Facebook, or Twitter. If you liked what you heard, like our podcast on iTunes and Google Play and share it with your friends. Also consider supporting our Paper Angel Closet, which provides toiletries and personal care items to homeless and at-risk youth, foster families and children, families of those diagnosed with cancer, refugee families, and families in need in our community. You may donate online or drop off items at New Life UMC. 8301 Mitchell Road, McChesney Park, Illinois, 61115. Worship is always Saturday night at 530 p.m. Until next week, live knowing you are beloved children of God in heaven. Challenge yourself to share that love with all those you meet wherever you go and realize that with the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ's body of the church, you can make a difference in your community and the world. Amen.